0: Hello, and welcome to the Brain People Podcast. My name is Jonathan Inns. I'm a psychiatric PA, and I am your host today. Um, I am joined today with uh, my co-host, uh, mm-hmm. uh Why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself today, Sharnette?
1: Yeah, sure. Uh, my name is Sharnette Gamboa. I'm a psychiatric nurse practitioner here at Beautiful Minds.
0: And so, this is your first time with us on a yes. podcast today, and I'm sure it won't be her last. Mm-hmm. Um, today, we have a, a special topic. Um, you know, we are talking about actually getting off of psychiatric medication, mm-hmm. and you know some of the pros and cons of doing that. You know some of the potential withdrawal symptoms, and right. and a um, a collaborative approach that uh, we'll talk about towards the end uh, that you can have maybe with your psychiatric provider um, in order to accomplish those goals. Mm-hmm. So, before we jump into it. Uh, let's talk about why I should say, as we jump into it, let's talk about why uh, one might even want to get off psychiatric medication. So um, why don't you give me a, a couple thoughts? Just when I, when I pose that question, when a, when a patient comes in to see you and uh, they're talking about, Hey, you know, I'm, I'm not really sure I want to continue taking these meds. What are some of the reasons that you hear?
1: Um, Some of the reasons I hear is mostly the side effects of the medications that they don't like, you know, if it's an antidepressant, the weight gain, the sexual dysfunction. um, And also if it's like a mood stabilizer, sometimes to them, it's just very sedating. Um, So they don't like the effect. And um, for adolescents that I see, they don't like that they lose their personality, Mm. like the flat affect of um, the, you know antidepressant medications Um, and then another reason why they choose to get off of it is they feel like they're doing already better so they feel like it's not necessarily needed um, and they're doing other lifestyle interventions that have helped them.
0: Um, before before we yeah. move on to to that aspect, I think it's important that um, maybe we sort of round out the discussion about you know side effects. Yeah, um, for you know, sure. antidepressants definitely are are one of the most commonly prescribed medications that we use. You know, in psychiatry and mm-hmm. you know, generally speaking, you know, relative to many of the other classes, they are pretty well tolerated by most people. Mm-hmm. But sometimes uh, these minor annoyances uh, that they do have over long periods of time can mm-hmm. really become increasingly, um, progressively, you know, more. Major Major, right. Yeah. Towards the patient. And, and some of the things like you mentioned, long-term, like weight gain and sexual dysfunction, uh, those, those tend to be some of the most common complaints that I see with long-term use. Um, right. And then, you know, with other, with other medications, uh, you know, outside of the antidepressants, there tend to be some more serious side effects in the long-term uh, right. that tends to you know, be a very good reason for why we might change. So things like antipsychotic medication or sometimes called the mood stabilizers, what are some complaints that you hear with those classes of meds?
1: Um, So for some of them, like just recently a patient said that when taking Risperdal, her lips, she started chewing her lip Mm. all of a sudden. Um, Some of them, um, even with antidepressant, it can lead, if we don't really know what their true diagnosis is, can even lead to mania. Sure. Right? So that... That to them is like oh well with the Wellbutrin I guess one patient was telling me like I did not like how it made me feel I had this euphoric state and I felt like I wasn't myself and I was going crazy yeah. so that um that's the one that um I've seen commonly so- yeah I've,
0: I've had that happen too with Wellbutrin a patient that had no history of mania uh, did end up I I triggered a mania even with like the lowest dose right uh, to where he 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 didn't sleep for a couple of days in a row and mm-hmm. so while those are you know relatively uh, r- rare you know reactions. To, right. to some of those medications they are definitely a, a very good reason to to withdraw now mm-hmm. when it comes to you know bipolar medications or antipsychotic medications you know they it depends on the drug but um, mm-hmm. you know as, as sort of a general class there's really two very uh, I should say there's, there's two very worrisome long-term consequences of Mm -hmm. those meds. Um, the first one is metabolic problems. So, you know, weight gain with antidepressants generally tends to be relatively mild, um, but can be a problem, especially after years of taking it. But with some of the antipsychotics, weight gain, uh, can be very rapid. And so, you know, you know, top of mind, olanzapine, right? Resperidone, right? um, uh, Seroquel, mm-hmm. like these drugs. I've had patients put on 20, 30 pounds. You know, within yeah. a span of three months. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's that's a really big one. And then, <clears throat> what's mm-hmm. another really significant long term, you know, side effect of the antipsychotics that you see?
1: Um, actually, the one that I saw the worst was this patient was put on Haldol,
0: mm-hmm. and
1: she had Parkinsonism. Um, so EPS, extra pyramidal symptoms as yeah. well. And literally she was like shuffling the gait. She had the facey, you know, masked. And I, I was like, just, I thought she was about to, I thought she had a stroke. Sure. Honestly. And then when I looked over history, you know, yep, she was put on haldal. It was a higher dose and Yeah. So yeah. we had to stop that immediately.
0: So she mentioned EPS, extrapyramidal yeah. symptoms, which is a, a basically a fancy word for um, a series of you know side effects associated with this class of medications that cause involuntary muscle movements. Right. And so you know that could be sometimes it's a tremor of the hand. Mm-hmm. It might be um, smacking of the lips. Um, could be just your tongue moving inside your mouth. Um, you know, could be constant shifting right mm-hmm. in your seat or feeling very restless. And so so these especially over the course. Course of you know time, they generally tend to be progressive, right? They get mm-hmm. worse and worse and worse, and without uh, actually removing the medication or using something else to mitigate the symptoms, uh, they can become extraordinarily uh, distressing to yeah. the people that experience them. Now, another another class of medications um, that are frequently discussed for patients uh, weaning off of them, is the benzodiazepines and the Z drugs. Uh, so why why might some patients, in your experience, want to get off of this class or these classes of medications?
1: Um, some of them have um, complained, like fogginess, memory impairment. Um, you know, those are the main things. And I think realizing, too, I had one person said that it was so sedating that it was hard for them to even function throughout the day. Yeah. So even though they took it at night, you know?
0: Yeah. Yeah. These, these medications, uh, really suppress your nervous system. Right. Mm -hmm. Uh, and so, so they, they tend to make it hard to think they Mm -hmm. tend to, um, put you to sleep a lot of times. Um, and, and. Uh, and, and so a lot of people uh, do complain about those things and especially the longer they've been on them, uh, there, there does tend to be a noticeable increase in risk of, you know, memory, you know, chronic memory impairment, you know, and, and dementia, you know, in all honesty. Um, what are, what are some the reasons why providers want the patients to get off of the, that class of medications?
1: Very addicting. Yeah. It's so dependent.
0: <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> exactly. Dependence, dependence uh, can be, uh, especially physiological dependence to mm-hmm. a certain extent can be present in just about every class of medication, uh, not just in psychiatric medications, but, but psychological dependence and addiction yeah. are a big problem with uh, the benzodiazepines in particular. So that would include meds like Xanax and Ativan, Valium, mm-hmm. uh, Um, Some other things, at least with the Z drugs and this, um you know, this, this is somewhat well known uh, because there's been, you know, a number of, I think there was I forget the name of the individual but they they ended up dying as a result of this particular side effect I believe back in like maybe the 90s or early two, 2000s wow. um, um from Ambien do you kn- oh. do you know what I'm referring to do you know what side effect
1: the sleepwalking. Mm, the sleepwalking. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, I believe yeah, yeah, that's it
0: right. Was a, I believe it was a relatively famous person. I'm sorry I didn't look this up ahead of time, um, but I, I believe they got in their car and they went for a drive um, mm. while they were still asleep. Oh, no. And so so that is, I've yeah. had a number of patients on um, Ambien specifically, but there are a couple other meds that can do this as well, uh, that that uh, found you know by maybe their family members mm-hmm. or when they woke up the following morning that their house was, you know... Uh, everything was shifted around, um, that they had been sleepwalking and that was very concerning to them. And so, you know, they wanted to stop taking that medication. So circling back, you mentioned another reason why some people want to get off of uh, psychiatric medication. And, and you basically said that the medication is, you know, to some, for some reason is maybe no longer needed like it was before. So what are the, what are the, some of the reasons why people might say, uh, that they're not really feeling like it's necessary anymore.
1: Well, I think I, you know, I said like, because of their lifestyle interventions that they've done, like exercising, <laughs> their sleep has improved, you know, the, maybe the stressors that they're currently facing at that moment have you know subsided. So it's not as severe and intense. So they're mm-hmm. able to handle and Maybe they've learned coping skills to adapt to those given situations. So that's one of the reasons that they say, I don't think this is no longer needed. Another reason why people want to get off some medications is also um, that it's no longer working. So that's another. Yeah. So probably try something different.
0: This is a, this is maybe a little bit more of a challenging question, but how do you make that determination if a medication is no longer working?
1: Um, I think... For me, I would definitely ask more of those, you know, symptoms before and after. Mm-hmm. And then if there were any were any changes that sure. occurred um, during that process. And then uh, I think that's, I don't know. That's yeah. the only it's, it's, I, it's, it's, uh, incre- it's, it's kind of hard. It, it
0: is. It's incredibly challenging to really make that assessment, but yeah. usually my sort of general rule of thumb, if somebody believes the medication is not working, uh, it's, it's, you know, they've already probably gone so far that if you're not convinced Um, you know, there's, there's, there's definitely a placebo effect when it comes to medications. We know that. Um, but there's also part of that placebo effect is, is belief in that what you're taking is actually doing something. So once you've lost that belief, then really you've lost the game in all honesty. And so, so generally speaking, I don't really try to, unless there's a really good reason, um, try to convince, convince people otherwise. Uh, and then we, you know, so as a result, we end up talking about other options. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, I, I like what you said about, um, you know, some like uh, the holistic. You know, uh, individuals adding in sort of more holistic treatments, and as a result, what it sounds like you were saying was that the medication is less necessary over time, yeah, uh, because. Um, they're doing these other things that are also proven to have therapeutic benefit. Mm-hmm. You know, the, my the image that I tend to have is somewhat of like a, a pie chart. Um, when you're maybe first starting out with a tr- this journey in your mental health, and you need more immediate, uh, you know, therapeutic response, like medication might be the bulk of that pie chart. And as you get a little bit better and you build momentum, you start adding in these other layers, mm-hmm. right? Um, like maybe you start f- focusing on your sleep hygiene, and so you really optimize that. And you start mm-hmm. building better relationships and you get in touch with kind of the spiritual side of yourself and you start exercising more regularly, right? Yeah. Those things start filling in the pie chart. And so as a result, like the, the, the total sort of degree of benefit you're getting from the medication is less so, um, and there's even research. And I know we've, re- we've referenced this uh, before in previous episodes that, you know, long-term things like exercise can actually perform a lot of these psychiatric medications. So, Mm -hmm. so the longer that you do those holistic uh, things um, you know, the there's a much greater chance of success of, of being able to do without. Um, And then, there's there's a couple other things that I think uh, that I hear occasionally from patients in terms of um, their desires to want to discontinue uh, their their psychiatric medication, and you know one of the things is that their treatment goals have changed. Mm-hmm. You know you you may have been in a season of life where uh, it just made sense to take the pill. Right? Mm-hmm. It made sense to take that antidepressant because. Um, that was what was most convenient and that's what worked for you at the time. Right. And maybe, maybe it was because of, um, time constraints where it would have been very difficult for you to incorporate an exercise routine, mm-hmm. right? I've had, you know, um, like new mothers, right. For example, yeah. uh, and, and because of all the time and the lack of sleep that they were getting, it was very difficult for them to incorporate some of the other more holistic things. But then mm-hmm. as their child got older, there was more time on their hands. and so mm-hmm. they were able To start doing those things again, Um, and so so you know, I think that's an important topic that isn't like frequently discussed. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, generally, my impression has been from a lot of other providers uh, that you know we sort of assume that uh, like their their treatment decisions that they made originally when they came in sauce are going to be somewhat the indefinite. Yeah. They're going to be the same. Um, yeah. but we're obviously like we're very complex individuals and our motivations are, are, are somewhat in flux frequently. Um, and so I think that's an important component to, to take into consideration. mm mm-hmm. Um, and then the last thing I'd probably say, and this is just sort of a, uh, this is a common complaint as well, um, but just a general desire to reduce overall medication burden. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes we end up getting a little bit overzealous. And so we end up, you know, prescribing more <laughs> than what we would really like um, or, you know, over time, right. Going back to the the treatment goals, yeah. the patient was originally comfortable with maybe a certain number of meds that they were on, but now they're really wanting to consolidate and, and just kind of optimize over time. So, That's true. Uh, so sometimes people just feel like their medication list is too long, it's too complex. They want more of a simplistic approach, and they believe that that's going to be a better outcome for them.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So shifting gears, let's talk a little bit about uh, you know the the experiences that some people have. With withdrawals from these different classes of medications, so you know, referencing the antidepressants again, you know, the SSRIs, SNRIs, things like Prozac, Lexapro, Zoloft, Effexor, very commonly prescribed medications. What are some of the what are some of the withdrawal symptoms that you mm-hmm. you tend to see?
1: Um, so some of the patients would tell me like you know, like flu-like symptoms, right? Headaches, the nausea, just um bogginess. Mm-hmm. Um, so those are the things that they've mentioned. Um, and if it is, you know, more an anxiolytic medication, sometimes they can feel a little bit of the anxiety as well. Yeah. As well.
0: So, uh, a couple of ones I'd, I'd throw in there as well is just uh, mood instability. Yeah. Uh, as you're, as you're going through with withdrawal from these medications, um, you know, just because you do experience mood instability during withdrawal doesn't necessarily mean that the medication was actually supporting your mood. Mm-hmm. It may be that you're just, um, you know, your body is sort of a, a trying to adapt to the changes in the, um, the, 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 the physiological sort of chemical changes that are occurring. Um, yeah. and then another one that's kind of unique to the antidepressants that people talk about are the brain zaps. Yeah, uh, the you've brain heard, zaps. you've heard this one before. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Do you, uh, are there any medications that y- you notice this the most with?
1: Um, I think probably those short acting ones, Mm -hmm. um, Lexapro or Paxil. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So Paxil, Paxil is really bad for a Mm -hmm. lot of people. Effexor is particularly bad for a lot of people. Cymbalta, I've gotten a lot of complaints on that. Um, you know, things like your Prozac, for example, generally doesn't not really tend much. to ca- cause mm-hmm. a lot of problems when it comes to that, um, and so so that is that is definitely a a more unique a more unique uh, side effect that you know really I think unless you've gotten off an antidepressant you may not really uh, ever understand what that means. Um, so mood stabilizers like bipolar medication, um, what do you think uh, in terms of uh, some withdrawal effects that you've been told?
1: I think it's more mood swings, yeah. Like- just the effects of the drug. Because we have to understand the body always wants to be in a state of homeostasis. Mm-hmm. So when you're putting uh you know putting something's in your body, right, the body then adapts to be like, okay, I'm not gonna produce this much because I want the brain to be in that state of homeostasis um, but then when you're removing it the body's now trying to figure out okay how can i compensate for this because i'm losing this yeah so yeah
0: so so it, it depends once again it's going to depend because the mood stabilizer class is is has has uh really quite some variety in it True. but you know things like just feeling overly activated feeling restless feeling mm-hmm. irritable yeah. um you know not being able to sleep very well um as you mentioned like the 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 more intense mood what swings, swings? Is, is, is pretty common. Uh, things like dizziness as mm-hmm. well can be relatively common. Um, anything else you wanted to add there to the mood um, stabilizers? Oh, I guess even, oh, even seizures, right? Yeah, that's Especially true. if it's, you know, Depakote, Lamictal, right. uh, Trileptal, these medications, they are seizure medications. And so, so if you were to withdraw from them yeah. very quickly, uh, even if you don't have a seizure disorder, like your your body in adjusting to that equilibrium, like you said, could potentially result in a seizure. Yeah. And then uh, benzodiazepines. So, mm. you know, what, what sort of withdrawal symptoms have you seen?
1: The most lethal one, I mean, I haven't seen it, but, uh, you know, just knowing about it is more seizures, right? Yeah. Um Actually, I think the patient of mine, I think was was sent to the hospital, okay, um, as a result of it. Yeah,
0: yeah. Seizures can definitely be a really um, scary, severe, you know, yeah. s- severe uh, side effect of withdrawal from benzodiazepines, and because of the habit forming nature of them, it is, uh, you know, important to 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 taper. You know, under the um, like professional. Uh, well, I should say under the care of a professional, right? Because mm-hmm. um, this class of medications is uh, can, can be lethal, like you said. Mm-hmm. Um, some of the more common things, especially if it's a relatively low dose that you're trying to get off of, uh, I should say the most common thing is probably just uh, increased anxiety, anxiety yeah. right? So rebound anxiety, mm-hmm, yeah. as we would call it, or you know, just having a lot of panic attacks, mm-hmm. right? Those can definitely um, be present as well. So you know, a reduced sort of stress tolerance, an inability to really shut down your brain, mm-hmm. right? So a lot more racing, racing thoughts, thoughts, ruminations, mm-hmm. things like that. Yeah. Um, some people do get like. Um, Muscle spasms and digestive issues as well, because uh, you know it tends to have a calming effect on the muscles too. And so when you take that away, you know the muscles end up getting tight. Mm-hmm. Uh, digestion doesn't quite go as well as it did. So lots of uh, lots of lots of downsides to withdrawal as well. So I mean, with with all the withdrawal symptoms, right, <laughs> that we've talked about, so we probably scared you a little bit about taking the med. We also probably scared you a little bit about getting off probably the medication. Is, yeah. um, but let's talk a little bit about getting how to get off these Mm -hmm. meds. And, um, I know we have kind of a specific, uh, sort of a collaborative approach that we'll talk about here in a second. Um, but one thing we really want to emphasize is, uh, don't try to play doctor. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, you, even though you may be a really, uh, knowledgeable, you know, individual about your medication and you've been compliant, um, some of these medications, it really just depends. And, you know, your, your, um, your provider is going to have a lot more experience uh, mm-hmm. in terms of helping you minimize the downsides of getting off, right? If you really want, if you if you resonated with um, one of those reasons to get off, then we want you to be successful. Right. And I've had so many people that have tried to do it on their own and they weren't able to be successful yeah. because they didn't do it in a way that was that was really safe.
1: Exactly. And I, I know some patients have done it like just cold turkey. And as a result of that, you know, they tend to be, They go back to the drug because they didn't like the effects of that cold turkey effect right so yeah and i've i I
0: would say um there's you know there's there's been a lot of instances where patients do exactly what you just said they try to do it themselves and then the withdrawals are so bad that they become actually more convinced that they never want to get off of it exactly right and so it actually it's it's a negative reinforcement in a Mm -hmm. sense and um and so if if they adjust maybe done it in a much safer more conservative approach then uh they they uh, may not have made it worse on themselves or shot themselves in the foot, so to speak. So you know, basically put it put another way. Recommendations for withdrawal are extremely dependent on a variety of factors. Um, it can depend on the med- medication itself. Um, the individual sensitivity and risks associated with withdrawal, Mm -hmm. um, the patient's desired timeframe to being, you know, without that medication and uh, whether or not you're adding a replacement medication or supplement to kind of fill in the gaps of the symptoms that you're trying to treat. Um, And that is like, that's that, that in and of itself could be its own podcast uh, just talking Mm -hmm. about like what things that you can do, but you know, as a basic sort of example, like in my experience, I've used a lot of Prozac um, to help people get off of medications like Paxil or Effexor, and that's tended tended to work pretty well. Mm-hmm. Um, I've also used a lot of different, you know, calming herbs um, or you know, kind of mood stabilizer medications or antidepressant. Excuse me, I said I said medications. I meant supplements um, or antidepressant like yeah. supplements, right, mm-hmm. uh, to help to mitigate some of those withdrawal effects.
1: Yeah, I've used, um, for example, if I'm trying to taper someone off of benzo. Definitely using gabapentin Mm -hmm. to make sure because of the seizure withdrawal Mm -hmm. effect to kind of help buffer that as well. Yeah, and I've used even our mindfulness relaxation supplement to slowly get them off, you know. Awesome. Mm -hmm.
0: The last thing we wanted to talk about today was the Mm -hmm. uh, patient centered collaborative approach. Uh, so um, basically, I'll have Sharonette kind of Mm -hmm. explain this um, in detail, but essentially. You know, it's an approach to work, to collaborate, as the name implies, you know, mm-hmm. with your provider.
1: Mm-hmm. And,
0: you know, hopefully, you know, you are working with a provider that agrees with a lot of these principles. Because mm-hmm. in doing so, I think you're going to have a much better experience um, in in tapering off. So, right. Sharon, why don't you take the mic and tell us what, what the patient-centered collaborative approach is.
1: Yeah. So, um, the patient-centered collaborative approach um, doesn't only include the provider and the patient, but it also cl- includes the therapist. And the family support because it's really important that when you're trying to help a patient get off a medication that they have all the support that they can get Um, and what i like about this approach it, it provides honest communication empathy for the patient and the family and also it provides the ability for the patient to make the decision themselves so empowerment right because that's where it lies if you can empower the patient to make that decision that it's okay to slowly get off these drugs as they're seeing more results on either their lifestyle interventions or their goals have shifted, then you give them that comfort and they don't feel anxious that um, you're in control. It's actually giving them that control. Mm -hmm. And I think when I talk to my patients about like, we're going at your pace, at what you would like, and I'm not gonna try to hurry you, that calms them down and gives them a sense of comfort and security that you're hearing them out. Um, So actually, Dr. Peter Bregan was the one that actually started this patient-centered collaborative approach, and his main goal was to safely get the patients off the medication, but making sure that he's able to talk them through it along with their family, along with the therapist. Cause once you take them off, you know, you'll like we said earlier, they'll have like mood swings or cognitive, more probably more cognitive distortions that they're thinking or racing thoughts. That's where therapy comes into play and in helping address that. So um, and I, that's what I like here to, you know, working here at Beautiful Minds is that we're able to talk with the therapist and figure out, okay, what can we do to help support this patient as I slowly get them off? You know, um, I wish we can have that as, you know, the medical world can do that. That would be really nice to be able to communicate, um, instead of just doing things independently of each other. Sure. Um, I think that's where patients lose their trust, um, towards providers because things are happening independent and then not including them in it, which is really very important to make sure that they have that control and empowerment in doing that. So,
0: so what are some of the steps of the approach?
1: Okay. So the steps uh, first is finding out what their, you know, comfort level is and and the pace they would like. If they want to do it immediately, then you can, you know, Cater to that if slowly, right? Um, And usually um, understanding what their sensitivity level is and withdrawing them from the medications. So there are times that I've done it um, for a long period, right? Based on the patient's comfort, but also short because the patient just doesn't like it anymore, anyway, right? So that's the first step being able to understand the patient's comfort level, um, understanding too that are they having that support at home? And then do they have a therapist? That's really important. Um, If they're seeking therapy, because when you remove something from someone, right, you want to replace it with something better. Um, So um, the next one is making sure that you also start in small dosage reduction because even just a 10% reduction of the drug can definitely put a patient um, on a severe withdrawal and a severe adverse effect from that. Um, the next one is providing them detailed information of what they're going to experience so that um, it's a full disclosure so that they're not left hanging. So making sure that providing them as much education and then what they can do, like you were saying earlier, maybe supplementing um, to help buffer that withdrawal effect to, for it not to be so potent.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And let's see, at all times it, to actually provide that hope and encouragement throughout the process. And there are some patients that have told me, you know what, we've gone lower, uh, I can only handle this much. Let's stop reducing it. And and I would say, yeah, that's no problem. Um, and so whenever you're ready, again, we can start uh, doing it again. So just yeah, kind of adapting to the situation.
0: I, I really like that. And um, I I uh, feel kind of silly for not having discussed that sort of previ- previously. Uh, in terms of you know, getting off of medication, you know, the goal doesn't always have to be to get off, yeah. right? The goal can be to see, see if you can reduce mm-hmm. uh, the dose or the number right. and and as a result maybe get very similar like um, you know, treatment, uh, effects from lower dose. Frequently, you know, I have patients that may be able to reduce their medication dose by half mm-hmm. and yet they're still getting 80 to 90% of the benefit of the higher dose. And so now like they're looking at that difference and they're saying, Hey, yeah, that's totally worth it to me.
1: Right. Right. And so, um, I think what I really am learning more and more is being able to be an active listener for my patient and, and advocate for them and, and being able to understand like, okay, if I were in their situation, you know, and my life, I can say is at your hand, right? Mm-hmm. At your um, disposal, like there's a sense of instability there. And so that uh, therapeutic alliance needs to be you know built and trust needs to be um, continued to grow as a result. So if I don't hear them out in what they're you know sharing and complaining about, then the then the trust is broken. Um. So then they'll be more likely to stay on that drug yeah. than not. So.
0: Yeah, I think that uh, that element of them knowing that we care, mm-hmm. right, showing them that we empathize with them, like you said, being in their shoes. I mean, mm-hmm. it's it's so huge, and um, if you can demonstrate that, I mean, I've had I've had many conversations where. Uh, where I you know feel compelled to bring up the benzodiazepine conversation, right? Mm-hmm. And initially they're very defensive. They basically think that I'm you know out to get them, that I'm taking away the things that help. And you know, with careful consideration of what I say and how I go about it, mm-hmm. um, I'm I, I feel that I'm you know usually pretty successful at convincing them and where frequently a lot of times they're actually, more passionate now about getting off the medication yeah. than I was, yeah. right? Because they see that, um, you know, that it's in many cases, sometimes it can be a trap, right? Mm-hmm. And, and that it's, you know, maybe they're at a different point in their life where this is not really serving them in the way that it was not once, uh, you know, at one point. Right. Yeah. Um, and so, <clears throat> so that empathy that compassion, um, just that you know, that having that human element just mm-hmm. goes so far in making this approach, I think, easier for people. Yep. Uh, any other any other points for I, the pr- approach?
1: I mean, I like. I mean, I don't know if this is in addition to um, this approach, but what you were saying earlier that provide not being reluctant in educating the patient about you know, the adverse effects of these drugs and the, will you know, your willingness to and maybe in the future tapering them off. Um, that's what I've done is just more education and realizing, hey, you know, just want you to know these are the adverse effects long term. Um, we're not trying to discontinue it now, but whenever you're ready, whenever you're comfortable, you know, maybe sometime in the future, you can consider that. I That to me, I feel like with the patients, they've actually like you said we're more open one patient in particular um, came to me already decided to get off the medication but she was afraid of how I would react because she's mm. been to psychiatric providers where no you need to stay on this or other primary nope you have to stay on this you have this long-term right disease or whatever and so when I said to her oh wow that's great you know I'm so <laughs> glad she was like are you serious right now I was like no are you serious you really want to get off and so sure enough she was just so happy she was like you made my day she told Mm. me and i was like well no you made my day right (laughs) so it was really a blessing to be able to have that conversation with her and she felt so relieved that i'm not there to just stick her on that drug i'm willing to hear her out and she actually was able to taper off slowly um, as a result of that so that's awesome yeah
0: And so, if you only take one thing away from today's show, remember this. If mental illness is a whole person problem, then it must have a whole person solution. My name is Jonathan Edens.
1: I'm Sharon at Gamboa. And you've been listening to
0: The The Brain Brain People People Podcast. Podcast.
1: Thanks for listening. To hear more episodes, find us on social media or support us financially, visit thebrainpeoplepodcast.com.